Is this the year you want to grow your business? Do you want to expand your team? Build a new office? Hey, it's Tug, and I want to tell you about First Liberty Building and Loan. Aren't you exhausted by going to lenders, building a relationship, and a week later, you're dealing with a new person? You won't have to with First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s, and they can help you too. They know the patterns, they know the ebbs and flows, and they know business. Now the Frost family wants to know you. FirstLibertyGA.com. Buying a building, building a building, buying a franchise, or expanding. Reach out and spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you. FirstLibertyGA.com. By the way, if you're a young banker and you want to work with a team that's faith-friendly with a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to First Liberty Building and Loan at FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com. I love Buck. I kind of wish he was here. Your old pal Chris Mooneyham live on the radio. Or, or your phone. Your tablet. Laptop. Personal computer. I'm on in your car. The forklift. Your cubicle. All right, that's enough of that. Mooneyham's live on the radio. It's the Buck Baloo Show. Thanks for joining us. Here on the fan, 680, 93.7 FM. Buck uh, still enjoying his long-awaited and much-needed vacation. Two more days. Don't worry. He's coming back. I know we have a lot of changes here on the station, so sometimes you get a little worried. (laughs) Uh, But he will be back come Wednesday. And don't you know that he'll be locked and loaded? Now, if I know Buck, Derek Thomas on the other side of the glass, as he always is, to make you all feel comfortable that things are not changing. Hello, DT. Hey, Mooney. Speaking of which, did I hear that Hoyt is moving on as well? Is this true? Yeah. I think, um, so we're losing Hudson and Hoyt. I don't know how much we've talked about that, but yeah. Well, am I not supposed to be talking about know. that? But yeah, hey, Hudson, look, I'm only in Hudson's here. Hudson's last day coming up on Friday, I know. Yeah, way to move on. Thank you. Very sad. We'll miss you guys. They're is all. It? Is it? No, I'm oh, only yeah, kidding. Of course. He's out there in the bullpen still or, or listening. So, Speaking of lost souls that would have moved on, that I, I saw a familiar face out there this morning. Yeah, Brandon Joseph yeah, is in the building. DJ. Still needs a haircut. <laughs> he says he went up to Winston-Salem and will not let anyone cut his hair. It's been gone for six months. Hello, Brandon. Hi, Mooneyham. So that's why he's walking around the joint with a boggin on, even though it's 89 degrees in this joint, because he doesn't want anybody to see his hair. He's never been more vain than he is right now. Love you, Brandon. I learned it from you. That's exactly right. Speaking of vanity, let's hit the big take. Fuck's Big Take. Okay, you know, there's an old rule in the broadcasting business, uh, especially in sports talk, and I'm about to break it. I didn't see Matt Edgar here today, so he'll have to text me as opposed to just dotting into the booth and saying, you're not supposed to talk about that. What it is is what it is. Uh, usually this rule I'm, I'm referencing is that you, you don't bring up old stuff that has already been talked about a good deal in sports talk. Now, having said that, I've not had the opportunity. Uh, many of you know me as uh, one of the guest hosts here. I come in and I'll fill in for the guys when they're on vacation or around the holidays. And, of course, I'll do some play-by-play and uh, a lot of different things here for the station. And I work for some other media uh, conglomerates, if you will, across America. So I'm kind of a part-time guy here. But I haven't had the opportunity 
over the last two weeks to get on the air and give you my piece on the college football playoff. Now, I'm not going to drone on and on about it. I promise you I will not. Uh, Because you all have heard so much about it, and you've all talked so much about it out there in listener land with your buddies. Hell, many of you have probably done the same thing I've done. Talk to your significant other about it. Uh, my wife knows a lot about football, so I'm lucky. But uh, some of you may be talking to your wives or your girlfriends about it. Mine doesn't. I still talk to her a lot about it. Exa- about it exactly yeah. right. And, and like a good, uh, dutiful uh, um, uh, partner, they will sit and listen to you and, oh, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Oh, gosh, that's crazy. Oh, I'm so sorry, Derek. Oh, here, let me take your shirt off. Oh, wait. Okay, well, anyway. That did would have made you feel better, though, right? Yeah. Okay, anyway. Always comes back to that with me. I hope my wife's not listening. Here's why I wanted to bring it up. Not just so that selfishly I could get on here and, and give you my little five minutes on the bit. I, I promise you it's not that. And we've got a lot to talk about today on the show, by the way. In the Bulldog Roundtable, we'll have Paul Meharry on, uh, who is an expert on the Georgia Bulldogs recruiting. We'll talk about the portal. I'll give you my little bit on that. Uh, tomorrow, we'll talk a little Georgia Tech as well uh, from the recruiting angle, guys that are staying, guys that are going. Kelly Quinlan, who, of course, jo- covers Georgia Tech as much as anybody, uh, uh, as well as anyone. He'll be on the, the show with us tomorrow. And we'll talk about a little Falcons uh, moving forward in the broadcast as well. But in all seriousness, I bring this up. Because I think maybe I can offer just a a little different perspective. And I'm going to be careful to try to not rant. Because, honestly, in the next segment, I'm going to do just that about the Falcons. So I don't want to spend the entire broadcast bitching and complaining. Am I allowed to say that? Okay, well, I just did. Maybe it'll be a short fill-in for Buck this week. I think the college football playoff committee peed pants. That's what I think they did. Now, we've all talked about it in the business, here on Sports Talk, our station, other stations, all across America, network television. We all know that by this point, the college football playoff committee was sort of handcuffed. They felt like they had no choice. But why? Why did they feel like they had no choice? Because Alabama beat Georgia? And because Alabama was trending up? And so they felt now that they had to bring the SEC champion into the playoff. Because in the past, they've said, of course, conference champions are so important to us. It shows you're the class of your conference. Yet at the same time, very often they have told us what? It's the best four. We want to bring in the best four. And of course, again, I'm not going to go on and on about that, except for in the context of this conversation Because you all know that that is, in fact, not what they've done. One or the other, I mean. It's been back and forth, hasn't it? Some years we get three of the best and then a team that's in because simply they won their conference, which is maybe what we would have had this year had Florida State made the playoff. Some years we get the three teams that are obviously the most deserving and an outlier or vice versa. This year... I think they panicked. I think they absolutely panicked. They peed pants. They had a freak out. Because there is no way that you can tell me, and we all know this, and again, I I know that I'm I'm rehashing things here, but just follow me. Because I might want to take it a little different angle. We all know, I think, and would all agree, that the University of Georgia is one of the best four teams in America. And wouldn't they... Even if you're listening out there and you're a fan of another team, would you not think that most likely Georgia was the favorite to win the championship? 
even if Alabama was there? Did you see these mock lines that came out where Georgia would, in fact, be a favorite over everyone except maybe it would be a toss-up game with Alabama? Well, of course. Alabama has won a rematch game in the playoffs, after all, with... I'm sorry, Georgia has won a rematch ball game with Alabama in the playoff, hadn't they? I think the team that threw everything off is Texas. And that's the team that made them freak out. But what worries me is that they were prisoners of the moment. And you're going to see this in the top 12 playoff, just as you did this year, and have a couple of times throughout the four-team playoff history. These committee members who were made up of so few real football people, they peed pants. They freaked out, and they took only brand names. They took Texas because they haven't taken them before. They took Alabama because, well, it's Alabama. And in doing so, they completely forgot the narrative of the last month of the season for the Georgia Bulldogs. Now, remember, admittedly, if you're a Georgia fan out there and you're pounding your chest and you're saying, yes, exactly, Mooney, exactly right, well, Let's also rewind, and DT, you remember, through the first, what, two, four, six, seven games of the year, we had questions about Georgia. Even the most ardent dog fans had questions about the dogs and who they were and what they could be moving forward. Could they make the playoff? And we said, moving into the final, what, five games of the year, but especially the stretch with Florida, Missouri, Ole Miss, and Tennessee, they were going to have to prove it. That is was going to be the stretch. This will be the stretch, we said, that will prove whether or not they deserve to be there. Right? Wrong. Oh, no, absolutely. Um, there were certain questions. Yeah, it seemed to, they trailed in just about every game they played this year, it seemed like. Uh, not dominant compared to the last few years. And we knew, given the uh, Oklahoma having to drop off the schedule, that I knew from the beginning they couldn't lose a regular season game. And if they didn't win the conference championship, they weren't going to be guaranteed to, to, to get in. But why? Because um, just because of the resume might not be there. And the only re- the only way that they wouldn't be in, if you had in this case, like you had uh, two, three undefeated conference champions, two other really um, highly rated okay. conference champions. Okay, but what's wrong with their resume? Oh, I mean, nothing. They, they'd lost one game. What's yeah. wrong with Georgia's resume? I'm asking. I, I didn't say anything was wrong with it. No, but, no. but, but you said that they wouldn't make, and I'm not coming at you. I'm yeah. saying that this is the argument that everybody else well, is it's making. Because too. everybody knew how it was. It was a relatively weak-looking schedule until that final stretch that we, that we, that we came down, which, until, which they dominated. Until the final Missouri, stretch, Ole which Miss, they dominated yeah. in the last few weeks of the year, and that's exactly what the committee forgot. I don't understand what happened here. Like, I, I literally don't understand. It's almost as though I'm in the Matrix because even guys in our business forgot. Even guys that I love here at the station and we all work together, it's like they forgot as well. Missouri was 12 when they beat them. Where are they at now? Missouri, uh, Ole Miss was 9 when they beat them. Where are they at now? Tennessee was 18. Where are they at now? All these teams, those three teams playing in major bowl games. Major for Tennessee, you know, air quotes. But still, if you care about that. Nine-point win, 35-point win, 28-point win. So are you saying that... How did we forget? I don't think they forgot. Well, who's the four that you would have had in? That's where I'm going. I don't think the committee forgot. I think that there was a purposeful effort to leave out the University of Georgia. And in the middle of their freakout, 
They said we can afford to leave them out because of all the questions that happened at the beginning of the year with their schedule and will be forgiven, just like we're going to do with Florida State. I'm not saying conspiracy. That may sound a little strong. But I am telling you that with all the numbers and all the schedules and all the storylines and as many times as that committee met, I find it very hard to believe that they conveniently forgot the three-week stretch of Missouri, Ole Miss, and Tennessee, which to me is comparable to schedules that are provided by the other contenders, like, say, Texas. Yes, they beat Alabama. Okay. They beat Kansas, who's number 24 in America. Sweet. What a great win. You lost to Oklahoma. (laughs) You beat Kansas State by three. 23rd in America when you beat them. You beat Oklahoma State, who was 18th in the country. You put 49 on them. No big deal. Texas did not play a better schedule than Georgia this year. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I know what some of the metrics say, but that's because the bottom was down. I don't believe it. And I think there may have been a concerted effort, an understanding of sorts, in this final year, with some of the national media leaning the way they were, to potentially leave out the Georgia Bulldogs. And they thought, we'll be able to get away with it. That's a big take, and it'll take us to the first break. Coming up next, the Bulldog Roundtable. We'll talk a little transfer. We'll talk about the makeup of the roster. We'll talk about the memories of this 2023 season. Paul Meharry going to join us on the other side. The Buck Blues Show is live on the fan, 680-93.7 FM. The Buck Blues Show is live on the fan, 680-93.7 FM. 680 The Fan mobile app. Don't forget, I feel like we never mentioned this. 680TheFan.com. You go right there to the front page and and click on the link there at the top, and you'll be able to listen to the broadcasts live right from your device. Time now for the Bulldog Roundtable. The Fan is proud to be the official sports talk station of the Dogs, and it's time for Bulldog Roundtable with Buck Balloon. 25, 20, 45, 15, 10, 5, get in there, touchdown! Bulldog Roundtable is proudly presented by Georgia's own credit union, Georgia Pack and Load, Finley Roofing, and by attorney Ken Nugent. And that's going to be the ball game. Georgia will win this ball game. Only on the fan, 680 and 93.7 FM. And with that, we go right out to the line, the phone line, that is, and bring in Paul Meharry from UGASports.com, part of the Rivals and Yahoo Sports Network. Paul, a little late getting to you, my friend. Thanks for staying with us. I really appreciate it, and good morning. No problem, Mooneyham. How are you, sir? I'm good, brother. I, I really am. Uh, it's been a little while since we've uh, gotten together. I certainly do appreciate you uh, joining us. I got a, I got a, I got a little angry there last segment. Got a little bit of a tift here. Well, uh, the 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 Georgia playoff thing. I'm still talking about it. It's my first time uh, in guest hosting for anyone since it all came down two weeks ago. Uh, so I had a little conspiracy theorist thought uh, about uh, Georgia being left out uh, because it was convenient. For the playoff committee. What do you think, Georgia, one of the best four teams in America? Should they have been out? What would yours have looked like? Yeah, Chris. So so I put out a tweet and uh, I said, look, if you're going to go best four teams, Georgia's got to be in there. If you're going to go most deserving four teams, Florida State's got to be in there. And the committee did neither one of those things right. and left out both of those teams. Uh, so 
they kind of split the they, they tried to split it and make everybody happy and said turned everybody upset yeah i mean you lose a, a three-point game at a neutral site i i get it it's the conference championship i understand but it's a it's a three-point loss at a neutral site you've won 29 games in a row uh, whereas Bama lost at home by double digits to Texas, uh, I, I don't think that everything got weighed correctly. And I know that they they mentioned conference championships are just such a big thing, right? I mean, but at the end of the day, a one-loss Georgia team, I can almost guarantee you, and I think it's true, uh, if you were to go to Vegas, they would be the favorite against every one of these four teams that are in the playoffs. So kind of goes to show you uh, what Vegas thinks of it as well. Well, and that's why you and I get along so great. That that was that what you just said was basically a great recap <laughs> of my opening segment. I said exactly the same thing. I think they freaked out a little bit. And I think that they looked at the field because everything was so close and they thought to themselves, which two teams can we leave out here and catch the least flack for? And I think that's why Florida yep. State and Georgia did not make it. And they conveniently forgot the stretch of Missouri, Ole Miss, and Tennessee. But um, it is what it is. And so uh, we'll watch the playoff with a, a little bit of a side eye coming up uh, on January 1. So speaking of side eye, there are a lot of guys inside the Georgia locker room who will be looking at some teammates with a little bit of a side eye as we get into transfer portal season. There are a few of these names I wanted to go through, and, 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 and you and I have been covering high school slash collegiate athletics for a long, long time. We've worked some games together as well. So I just wanted to bust through some of these names really quick. C.J. Madden, surprised to see C.J. Guy, uh, CJ go. I think, to me, he's a guy that has so much potential, so much raw potential. I hate to see this guy leave if I'm a Georgia Bulldog. Yeah, uh, I could see it though. It wasn't a shock to me, Mooney Hammer. Okay. I think that uh, you know it was it was he was a name that I saw going into the portal. Now a name that I didn't see going into the portal, Austin Blasky. You, you remember him? Yep. Uh, down there from the nine one two, he uh, he probably had a starting position next year on that offensive line, and he left. Uh, you know, there's there's a ton of names. Xavier Sori, another guy who uh, didn't play through throughout much of the season. But then, for whatever reason, got in in the SEC championship game at, at linebacker there. Him transferring is kind of a head scratcher. But there's not a guy on this list that I really look at and go, man, Georgia is going to be in trouble without this guy. Now, that's not to say, Chris, the portal, give us and the portal take us away. It, it's still open. The, the portal is not closed. There, there could still be other guys get into it. But as of right now, there's not that guy that, that left and I say, man, they really lost out on on a great, great, you know, first-string guy. Yeah, I agree with you. And and, and coming up on tomorrow's edition of um, the Buck Baloo Show during the Bulldog Roundtable, I'll kind of break down uh, uh, some of the key names that will be exiting for the University of Georgia. But you're right, Sori is interesting because he looked as though he was going to have that next shot come some point next year, uh, maybe about a third of the way into the year. I thought his rotational snaps was going to take a tick up. So it, that one's interesting to me. Yeah, that one, uh, like I said, Blasky. Makai Mute is also interesting. Yeah. He had kind of made a uh, like a, a niche for himself, if you will, uh, as that return guy, central Gwinnett kid that, you know, walked on, he did everything the right way. And for him to get in the portal, it's interesting. Uh, from what I've heard, he's got a good relationship with Fran Brown, the uh, the head coach up there at, at Syracuse now, who was Georgia's defensive backs coach. I can see a couple guys heading up there to Syracuse with him, and he might be one of them. Yeah, Nylon Green, another name, kid who came out as a four-star 
uh, from Metro Atlanta. Not surprised to see him moving on. It's too bad. Another guy who's got some raw talent that could really explode upon the scene. Uh, give us a little bio on Green and, and whether or not you were surprised on that one. Yeah, I mean, we had him as, I think, a five-star on Rivals, too. I mean, we had him pretty high up there. Okay. And, you know, it, it was it was one of those things where – uh, he just never saw the field, and he got passed over by a couple guys in, in grades lower than him, and I think he saw the writing on the wall. Now, that's not to say, and, and I don't want anybody to take this the wrong way, like if you can't play at Georgia, that doesn't mean you can't play at 99% of the other schools out there. Right. Uh, you know, It just so happens that there's only two corners that are on the field most of the time for Georgia, and he wasn't one of them. Uh, but Nyland Green is going to go somewhere and immediately start. I mean, he's he's a heck of a player, so... When you're kind of looking at this and these guys that are transferring and you're thinking, oh, well, I don't know if they can make an impact on, on uh, another team. They weren't able to make an impact on Georgia. Well, look no further than Tresman Marshall, uh, dog fans. I mean, he was your third-string linebacker, and he recovered the fumble in the SEC championship game. So, I mean, these guys can go play somewhere else. Nyland Green's going to be a great star, and I, I could see him even at the next level. I mean, he's a, he's a good athlete, just couldn't see the field of Georgia. Brock Vandegrift, of course, as so many Georgia fans know, has now moved on. Uh, not to pat myself on the back, but hold my coffee here while I pat myself on the back, Paul. Uh, I put uh, I put Kentucky on my three-team <laughs> short list as far as a potential destination for BVG, and that's where he ends up is at Kentucky. I want to talk about this quarterback room for Georgia and what it may look like next year. What sort of a scouting report can you give on us? Uh, give to us, I beg your pardon, on what the quarterback room could look like for the Dogs in 2024. Well, it kind of all hinges on Carson Beck, right? Yeah. Reports indicate that he is going to come back, but who knows? I mean, he could get a, a really great draft grade. A draft grade, that's a that's a Monday. A draft grade, <laughs> if you will, uh, and, uh, and head off to the NFL. I don't see that happening, though. I see him coming back. Also, there's a report out there of him, you know, asking for $4 million. I, I don't see that, so don't look into that too much. Uh, but... He's going to come back. Then you've got Gunnar Stockton. You know all about Gunnar up there in the the uh, mountains of Georgia. Yeah. He's the next thing, right? Everybody's favorite is the backup quarterback, and uh, he's been the favorite for quite some time now on, on Georgia fans' uh, minds. Then you have the kid, uh, Rayola. Dylan Rayola, number one player in the nation, uh, transferred to Buford to be closer to Georgia. His dad, you know, all everything offensive lineman when he was in the NFL, played with Matthew Stafford. That connection got him to Georgia. And then you have uh, Ryan Plubusi, a kid from uh, Connecticut, who doesn't get talked about a lot, but he's not afraid of competition. Normally when the number one quarterback in the nation is coming in, uh, you don't commit with him. Uh, but this kid's just built different and decided coaches, to come in with him as well. Coaches love him, by the way, from what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a gamer. You've you got to have a special kind of uh, – a little bit of crazy to, like I said, come in with the number one overall quarterback and think you can compete with him, and he's got it. And I wouldn't be surprised, Chris, I'll, I'll, I'll put my foot down on the table here. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up getting more snaps in a Georgia uniform than Rayola does. Wow. Okay. Very yeah. interesting, and that's yeah. why I love to bring you on, my friend. That's good, good stuff. Uh, Brock Bowers, don't think it's a bold prediction to say that, um, or a bold statement to say that, He's going to go down as one of the great Georgia Bulldogs of all time, which is really saying something, of course, with the College Football Hall of Famers and the All-Americans and the uh, Georgia Honor uh, Hall of Famers that uh, they have inside of the program. Wins his second straight Mackey Award. I think he's the only guy to ever do that. How do you think uh, this is going to be a two-parter? First, how do you think we'll remember Brock when we look back 20, uh, 20 years from now? Oh, man. It's just that, I don't know. I don't 
that guy, I guess. Like, he, he's the guy that you think of. Yes, you think of Stetson when he won those national titles. But when you look back on it and you say, man, who was the best player on those national title teams? He's going to be the one that's brought up the most, I think, wow. if that makes sense. So, yeah, you'll talk about Stetson, but at the same time, when you're telling your grandkids, oh, I, I watched this team, you know, back-to-back. Well, you know, granddad, who was the best player? Oh, Brock Bowers, the tight end. He's, he's unbelievable. That's going to be how you remember Brock Bowers. Uh, just an incredible athlete, an incredible young man, too. Uh, and I know Georgia fans are hating seeing him go, especially since he has another year of eligibility, but there's no way Kirby Smart would, would let him walk back in the building knowing the amount of money that he, he could miss out on going in the first round as the uh, top tight end off the board. Two more with Paul Meharry here from UGASports.com, part of the Rivals and Yahoo Sports Network. All right, let's grade this 2023 season. If you were to put an A or a B on this season for the Georgia Bulldogs, uh, we'll end it with a recruiting converse, uh, recruiting question here in just a moment. But if you were to put a grade on the 2023 season for this Georgia club, where would you put it? I think, oh, Chris, you really put me on the spot here. Yeah, that's uh, what I do. I think, you know that. <laughs> I know, I know, yeah, you do this a lot. Yeah, and I, I love it. But uh, I think put an a with an asterisk on it because i don't think they got to finish the season like they jobs not finished like kobe used to say you know and yes they get to go play florida state in the we were screwed uh bowl uh that that they're going to both get to go play in but yeah an a with a with an asterisk next to it because i still think that if you put them in the playoff they're they're probably making a run and and really really making something magical happen a potential three-peat that's Never, well, they say it's been done before by Minnesota, I think, back in the 30s, but yeah. it's a little bit of different football. So something's never been done before, uh, and, you know, A with an asterisk. What about you, Chris? You, you know, you ask these questions, but then you, you answer them too? <laughs> I, I would give it an A-. minus. I'm right there with you. I'd give it okay, an A-. minus. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, That's only, why I like you, Chris, because you, you can dish it and, and push it back out, too. Exactly I like right. I, I, I was disappointed in the performance against Georgia, uh, against Alabama. Yeah. I got to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought that that yeah. was – I actually was on the air and said that I, I had a feeling that Georgia was going to go out and really hammer Alabama. And in that storyline, and it may end up being a 17, 18, 20-point ball game. And I think they got out there, and uh, the, just the sloppy play was, was really disappointing on both sides of the football. I'm sure it was for you as well. Yeah, they they were 100% the better team. They were they outmatched Alabama in every aspect. They shut down Milrow when they had to. Uh, just the the turnovers, you know, the sloppy play, the catching the punt inside the five yard line, and then having that turnover kind of really skewed the game. The catch or non catch by Isaiah Bond also, you know, it, it, people don't want to argue about the rest, but that play has a significant impact in the game points wise. So uh, that as well. But, you know, things happen. They'll move on and they'll regroup. They're, Kirby's got those guys uh, ready. He's got a bunch of freshmen and sophomore ready to take over. So they'll be back. All right, one more. Um, I, I know you hear rumors on the recruiting circuit uh, here in the transfer portal era, some that you can share, some you cannot. But uh, even if you could give us something vague here, what are you hearing as far as action for Georgia in the portal or separately on the recruiting circuit? Well, you know what's funny, Chris, is the recruiting circuit for Georgia's been done since almost June or July. Mm. Uh, we have a recruiting show that we do every Monday on UGA Sports' uh, YouTube channel, and there just hasn't been a ton of commitment since then. So we've been kind of having to talk about these guys uh, and really dive into each one of them. So we, we know them very well uh, because there's just not a ton of movement on the recruiting cycle. Kirby locked that down fairly early, uh, and a lot of those guys – I can tell you they're expecting, you know, over 20 guys out of this recruiting class to be early enrollees, which, you know, Kirby loves because they get those bowl practices. They get two, 14 days, I think, of bowl practices. Really gets to acclimate those young guys. Ellis Robinson 
So that's a kid that you need to watch out for. Five-star corner, he's going to come in, make an impact right away. Uh, so that's a name if you want to kind of talk amongst your friends at the water cooler. I know he's a five-star, but he's really going to come in and make an impact quick. I think he's the best corner Kirby has recruited since he's been in Georgia, and that's saying something. Uh, as for the recruiting or the, the transfer portal, London Humphreys obviously is the hot name. Uh, he's going to be one to watch moving forward. He just took his official to Georgia. I could see him committing to Georgia at some point. And then uh, the other hot name, ETN, out of uh, Florida. Yeah. I don't know if that one's going to be done so fast. Mooneyham, there's a lot of moving pieces with that, but Georgia feels like they're in a good spot for him. But also, let me preface this by saying the portal season is 10 times crazier than the recruiting season. So if, if Georgia feels like they, they're good one day, then I get a report the next day that's saying they're out of it. So the portal season is just absolutely crazy, and, and it's, it's brought a unique aspect to college football. Well, Paul, we really appreciate it. Um, Paul Meharry. From UJSports.com, part of the Rivals and Yahoo Sports Network, giving us his thoughts on the dogs. Thanks, Paul. Hey, thanks, Mooneyham. We'll talk soon. Yes, sir. That's the Bulldog Roundtable. All right. We go from one championship contender <clears throat> to the Falcons. Division contender. Oh, Derek. By the way, Paul Meharry was joining us on the Hobson and Hobson Newsmaker line. Hobson & Hobson Newsmaker Line, the divorce and custody firm. Are you brave enough to take the first step? Visit areyoubraveenough.com to schedule a consultation. Are you brave enough to watch Falcons football? <sighs> you sound distraught. Oh, man. <laughs> this is this. That's about all you can do, even, yeah, David, starting his update. I, yeah, the, I mean, Falcons. You know, it, it, that was the most Falcons game ever, oh, it's, by the way. It's Wasn't the it? same I mean, really. Thing. It's the same thing every week. That was the most Falcons game. They don't, they don't lose in at quite as brilliant a ways as they used to uh, five or six years ago okay. under Dan Quinn when That's they fair. invented new uh, unimaginable ways to win football, uh, to lose football fair. games, I should say. But, yeah, just so many games they obviously should have won this season. That you, this, this game was so bad, I want to start with a clip as opposed to breaking the thing down. <laughs> Why am I laughing? I think I'm laugh crying. Let's hear from Arthur Smith on the missed opportunities during the game. Look at him, and it's the NFL. I mean, I'm sure they could say they had a couple opportunities that they could have done something better. Um, you know, obviously, you're not happy when you when you lose a game like that. Uh, and we said we can be really frustrated. Uh, but again, our job is to go back in tomorrow and find a way to, to get get the stuff fixed, get get cleaner. And thankfully, we had another another opportunity and that's the reality of it right we have another opportunity thankfully in front of us yeah yeah but but arthur is the team's spirit broken i mean watch our guys play i mean it's been our spirit you know unfortunately we, we we've lost you know we've won some games in the clutch and we lost but this game has never never has ever had their spirit broken and certainly that won't happen uh, we know it's a tough challenge every week, so I'm not here predicting anything, but just look at the evidence, watch the results today. I mean, it felt, you know, we had some opportunities we missed. You know, they were bringing a lot of pressure. They were jumping a lot of things. We tried to no. back them off. It was a give and take, you know. And, uh, you know, we made some plays in the fourth quarter when that game could have called the other way. But kill me. I had to kill that, yeah. Thank you. 13 games this year for the Falcons. They're 6-7 and seven on the year. They've played eight one-possession games. Eight. Their record in the games, very predictable. Four and four. 
this game also not just a just not just a representation of the Falcons, but also a real representation of what you have with Desmond Ritter, by the way. And and it's strange because in a way, I want to continue to talk about it because it's so important and you have to make a decision about it. Desmond Ritter, I mean. And in one way, I want to dwell on Arthur Smith, the back-and-forth play call, the bad, bad play calls at times. Why in the world you would have a stretch run play fake with Desmond Ritter dropping back 10 yards into the end zone to take a sack for a safety. Not sure why that was the play call. Who cares? I, I, I do. I care. At the same time, I forgive Desmond Ritter. Far more than I forgive Arthur Smith. It's a second-year guy, folks. I I, I mean, I'm just saying. He's a second-year guy. We're 13 games into this season where he was supposed to be the full-time starter. And, of course, he's not been the full-time starter. We all asked the question in the offseason. He's only played four games. We have no idea what he is. And that's exactly right. Much like the conversation about the University of Georgia earlier, Let's not forget about the narratives that we have lived through here. Don't change the entire narrative just to fit this week. I'm not telling you that I believe Desmond Ritter is going to be a star. I'm not telling you that that I think Desmond Ritter is even a full-time starter in this league. I'm just saying that there are plenty of really good, solid quarterbacks that have gotten two years to get their feet underneath them. That's all I'm saying. But do we believe he's getting the coaching that he deserves? Because I've had far more questions about the play call than anything else. Now, again, at one point in the ballgame yesterday, you were down four offensive linemen. For those of you that did not have the chance to see the ballgame. Four, four, four offensive linemen. Four. As if that's what this team needed. Surprisingly, the performance from that that makeshift offensive line wasn't all that bad. Yeah. Yeah. The opening drive. I know that if even if some of you out there did not watch the entire ball game, it's no efficient. Doubt. The opening drive was great, beautiful. It was until the last play. It was unbelievable. That's exactly right. You and have to, you have that. So that's the thing about Desmond. Ritter. We've seen some flashes of some some good throws. Yes, we've, we've seen some good decisions, but we've seen too many just absolute fundamental regular run of the mill plays that he hasn't executed on. Uh, specifically, we're talking about the uh, that what, I guess third down and goal. Uh, or was it uh, down yeah, it was at the, yeah, at the yeah. end of that first drive where Bijan Robbins is wide open in the flats and he just it, it's not a difficult throw, it's just rushed and it's not done well and uh, yeah you settle for a field goal there and that's just just a microcosm of of so many simple plays that the basic NFL plays that he should be able to 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 run and he can't. It's his head. He's in his head. Did you see the sideline reporter who did the bit on 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 uh, talking to Desmond and how Desmond said he had to get out, had to get out of his head because sometimes he's overthinking and he's trying to do too much? Yeah, that's concerning. Yeah, I said, yeah, no, of course it is. Of course that's the situation. No kidding. We didn't need a sideline hit to tell us that he overthinks a throw out in the flat to Bajan Robinson that he probably makes ninety out of ninety five times. In practice. Maybe. Of course, some of you are being smart, Alex, out there, and you're saying, I don't know that he does. (laughs) And I can't really argue that either because, you know, he might not. I like the dude, though. He works his tail off. The guy that I have the biggest beef with 
is Arthur Smith. Now, do I like that you threw a Hail Mary towards the end zone? <clears throat> Three yards shy of the, the goal line? No. No, I don't. Here's what Desmond had to say about that final play and the ball not reaching the end zone. You know, we just got to be better, got to be more consistent, uh, you know, got to be able to go out there and just get the first play started, get it going. Um, obviously, you know, in that, that safety, we were backed up. Um, I just got to get the ball out of my hands, uh, not sit back there and pat it, um, just throw it away if it's not there. Um, and then, like I said, we just got to be consistent overall um, and just be better. Yeah, my mistake. That was Desmond Ritter on the scoring drought throughout the ball game. Here's what he had to say about the final play and the ball not reaching the end zone. Obviously, those plays are supposed to go in the end zone. Uh, you don't have any special calls for whatever it was, first and 38, 43, whatever it is. I mean, obviously, the ball's got to get in the end zone. We came up two yards short. Um, we'll go back and look at it and see, uh, you know, if there was another guy open or not. Wait. Um, but obviously, you know, that's a play that you only rep a couple times throughout the year. Wait. Uh, for these, you know, exact circumstances, and obviously, they came up. Wait. Did he just say they don't have a play for that particular instance? They don't. Oh, uh, that's what he said. Yeah, they don't. They don't have a final play built into the playbook. Well, you can understand what he's saying. Uh, you know, we, the first and thirty-eight doesn't matter. I, I don't understand. It's just a hail mary, basically. It's, it's yeah. a hail mary, brother. You got London. Drake London made one of the great catches you'll see in live action. You got him down there. Tell him to go down to the F in Falcons and jump. The play is called streak to the F. Get the F out of here. Send Kyle and Drake down there and get ready to jump, boys. Again, never, never have your quarterback called into a play fake string out to the running back that results in him into a 10-yard drop back into the end zone. Because the safety hurt. But that will hit the break, and when we come back, did the Braves dodge a bullet? We'll get to the final word as well. This is the Buck Belue Show, and it's live on the fan, 680-93.7 FM. Wrapping up the Buck Belue Show on the fan, 680-93.7 FM. Buck will be back on Wednesday, fear not. I'll be back in with him, uh, I'm sorry, for him tomorrow. Chris Mooney, I'm on your radio. Thanks for being with us. Or when I walked in, Mooney Cat. I didn't make that nickname up, by the way, so I can say it. Mm-hmm. Never give yourself your own nickname. That was Derek Thomas. Great job today, DT, as always. Hey, listen, and I want to get your thoughts on this because you're a massive Braves guy. I think the Braves dodged a bullet. Now, do I believe that the Braves possibly could have, maybe, behind the scenes, gone to Shohei Otani and said, listen, nobody has a better four-year window than we do. We will give you four years, and we will give you $50 million a year. And then Shohei's people came back and said, yeah, well, let me tell you what the Dodgers are offering. And then Double A said, uh, okay, we will give you four years and we will give you $55 million. And then they said no. And then maybe they went up to 60 But for only four years. And Shohei obviously could not turn down this deal. There is no question about it. He made the smart move. He's going to go to the Dodgers. There'll be a championship contender for, you know, eight of the ten years he's there. And he will have six prime 
prime seasons. And he'll wind down like everyone else does. But that money that Atlanta would have given him, potentially, could Liberty have afforded it? Yes. Are they going to go that high? Probably not. Is Liberty a cheapskate owner? No. Stop saying it. You know they're not. But they would not go this high. And rightfully so. And I'm glad for it. And here's the reason why. Because guess what? Ozzy and Ronald and Austin, these guys are going to see the deals that are signed moving forward. And you're going to have to get into a point where you need to re-up them. Ronald's the kind of guy that plays 18, 19 years in the big leagues. The contract he's on right now, that's not the end of his, con- that's not the end of his days. You're going to have to come back to him, and you're going to want to lock him up. He's an all-timer. He could end up being the most talented Atlanta Brave and potentially the most talented Brave in the history of the franchise. So you're going to want him to finish his days with the tomahawk on his chest. This type of money, in the end, would have pushed the Braves right to the brink and would not have afforded you the pitching depth and maneuverability that you need over the next couple of years, even if Shohei came back and was healthy and a dominant pitcher. Still, it would not have provided you with what you needed, which was the flexibility, and that's what Double A covets. Obviously, once we saw the numbers, uh, I don't think any Braves fans were thinking, why didn't we? We didn't match right. that, right? That wasn't any anybody's thoughts. You know what? The uh, If I'm a Dodgers fan, the one thing I don't want to admit is, is there a chance that for at least three, four, maybe five years of this contract, this guy is basically just a really good DH? Yes. That you're paying $70 million to? 100% the beginning and the end of the yeah. contract. That's the thing. It's not just at the end. They think he'll be back next year to pitch. Uh, 25, 25. But not a big deal for a, an organization like the Dodgers. Although, can you, can you say that so flippantly? $700 million is not a big deal. I know they no. just got a new TV deal, so they're going to be all right. Which is why I, I, wow, that's a lot for a DH. A, a guy who will just be a DH for at least part of that contract. Well, hopefully the Braves are on the verge of getting their own. Better hit 80 bucks to make it worth it. Network, depending on what happens with Bally. Let's hit the final word. Time for the final word. Brought to you by Howard Brothers. Keeping Georgia green since 1955. Hey, just wanted to send out a little, uh, uh, a little invitation here. And invite you all. To join the Dickey Broadcasting family of stations all throughout the next three days. You know, calling, covering, and for those of you that are fans, seeing high school football in the state of Georgia. It's like covering low level. It's like covering Division II football. Lucky enough to have covered some of these games with you. And yeah, yes, these, these state championship games are incredible. And you see the talent uh, very quickly and you realize, yeah, they're playing pretty good football around here. Huh? I mean, you make the joke sometimes about some of these higher, the, these 7A football schools. Oh, that football. Grayson could go out and beat a Juco. And really, in all reality, well, maybe a Juco. <laughs> maybe a Juco. Some of these teams would uh, do pretty well against some Division Three. Uh, yeah, some of these teams are are loaded with a, a type of talent that you just can't understand. And if you want to make your way down to Mercedes-Benz Stadium, because it's back at Mercedes-Benz Stadium today, tomorrow, and on Wednesday as well, the festivities will be going on all day into the night. 
Uh, they'll start today with the lower classification, single A Division One and Two, and you're talking about high schools here that have you know three and four hundred students in them. Uh, but I would invite you to listen on either ESPN Radio, 1037 FM, 1340 AM, or of course we'll have the two biggest ball games, six A tomorrow night. Thomas County Central and Woodward Academy. And then on Wednesday night, the 7A championship, Milton versus Walton at 7 p.m. here on the Big Stick on the Fan 680 and 93.7 FM. And keep in mind, on the 680 The Fan app, for all you regular app users, you can go right to 680 The Fan's mobile app. And we have now put a special tab on there, like how we had uh, uh, spring training baseball for the Braves. So you can go right on there. You can tap the app, tap the special button for the championships and hear them. Because trust me, folks, if you're listening to this program, Buck Show, you love college football you love recruiting and let me tell you something the eight championship games are going to be played over the next two weeks uh, the next uh, three days i beg your pardon well these are guys that you will be talking about and hearing from well not just at the collegiate level but also into the national football league i'll give you a number really quick just to that point a few years ago the state of georgia sent 15 percent of the national football league's talent from its state 15 percent. that is unbelievable all right with that i'll wrap it up uh coming up tomorrow i'll be back in here we'll talk a little more falcons i'll riff on arthur smith we'll talk about the portal for both georgia and georgia tech speaking of the jackets kelly quinlan is going to join us tomorrow as well mooney hams off your radio dial this has been the buck baloo show live on the fan 680 93.7 fm thank you buck What are your plans for your business this year? Hey, it's Tug. Do you want to expand and grow? Aren't you exhausted by going to lenders, building a relationship, and a week later, you got a new person to deal with? You have to start all over again? You don't have that with First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s, and they want to know you. Unlike big banks, they want to partner with you. The Frost family knows the patterns. They know the ebbs and flows. They know business. Get to know them at FirstLibertyGA.com. Building a building? Buying a building? Buying a franchise? Expanding? Reach out to them. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you. You do that at FirstLibertyGA.com. And by the way, if you're a young banker and want to work with a team that is faith-friendly and has a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to them today. First Liberty Building and Loan. FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com.